out that the age difference between Macron and his wife is 24 years exactly the same as Trump and Melania. Well, although yeah. Melania wasn't a, a child. Yeah. His, uh, too young to drive when they started dating. Is I think everybody with any insight has noticed, like, somewhere in their 30s, you know, every four years as a kid, everything changed completely and was an amazing set of, of, of experiences and circumstances. I've been in this job now 11 years, which is almost triple the time of high school, and I don't remember much happening. I think it's I'm wearing just, this. It's a different. I think I'm wearing the same shoes I was wearing the first day. Right. So, right. You, you're, <laughs> you're an adult for a long time if you're lucky. Which brings me to something I wanted to address very briefly. Um, had the the honor of attending a memorial service for a young man who died uh, suddenly at age 18. The second son of a friend to pass away suddenly in the last couple of months, which has been incredibly disconcerting. Um, it, was, it was beautiful. It was really well done. Uh, it was very, very sad, as you might imagine, but also inspirational in a way. And the the best part of it was the fact that, that this uh, young man, who I knew, I didn't know as well as I wish I had now, was a virtual guardian angel to the misfit, the unfriended, the, you know, you know not sure of their sexuality or whatever, kids. He would actively seek out the afflicted and comfort them and you know i don't know which way you swing religiously or whatever um but it was really inspirational to hear about somebody doing that and it's a a cruel cruel thing that he and that spirit um were taken away from the world and and a lot of people spoke about how he'd really helped them at a time of great need and i just i was so mad about about that happening because you know I saw those very vulnerable people who had helped and thought wow he's not going to be there for him except in spirit and I hope in spirit you know he is very much but I thought okay uh, perhaps I will do this uh, those of you who have hearts to hear this sort of thing um, maybe today try to find somebody who is vulnerable m- misfit not friended etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and show them some kindness, because it's going to mean way, way more to them than you might think. Um, and that notion and thinking maybe I would deliver that message today made me a little less mad at fate. You know, there's some be- people that believe uh, the cr- Christian tradition of life after death is what you were just talking about. That's mm-hmm. what that means. Mm-hmm. That what you do in the world lives after you're dead. That mm-hmm. is your life after death. Yeah, yeah. Well, and as long as we're on to Christianity, there are those who practice it like an excuse to judge others, and then there are those who... I do like judging others. Pretty much gets me up in the morning, mm-hmm. gets me to sleep at night, but uh, there are also those who would tell you that you're called to live as Christ lived, uh, mostly, and I tend to, to swing that way as I think about religion. Um, so, mm, do somebody kindness today, would you, for me, or for you, or, or for them, or for somebody or other? So. I've been trying to figure this out, this uh, this whole uh, idea of expectations and what you're supposed to do with that or how you deal with that. Because, for instance, there, I mean, this is an extreme advent- example, you, would have no, you have no expectation that your 18-year-old is not going to be around as a 19-year-old right? Uh, until it happens. Um, 
you know, the whole appreciate every day, every moment. I'm not exactly sure how you do that. I keep working on how you do that. Like, I had the expectation. I said fairly recently, my favorite thing every day is picking up a kindergartner from kindergarten. I love that. That's my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. Well, now my kindergartner doesn't go to kindergarten anymore. I don't think he's going to go anymore. So I don't get to do that anymore. I had no expectation that would end. So I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think, you know, I had one who did that. And then I just assumed I'd have another one that did that. Well, it doesn't turn out that way. So mm-hmm. I had some expectation out there. Right. How do you av- how do you avoid having these expectations of things being a certain way? How do you just enjoy the things that you're having today? I'm not exactly sure how you pull that off. I, I try. I don't know if we're, if we're made that way. I don't know. I don't know if we are either. You know, be thankful your health for your health. How? Be thankful for your family's health. How am I doing that exactly? Yeah. What's the action of doing that? Yeah. What does that feel like? Yeah. I'm trying to sure, do it every glad day. I'm not sick. Dang, I'm does, glad I'm not sick. Does that but help? But then you spend your time thinking about being sick. Right. I mean, it's... Should I be really profoundly grateful every morning when I get here and I haven't had a car wreck? Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the thing is just not expecting that you're going to be healthy next week or your kids are going to be healthy or alive next week or whatever. Maybe that changes the way you live today if you eliminate those expectations. Or is that a crazy neurotic way to live your life is that kind of you're, a expect, don't, you're expecting the worst at all times well see that's the thing it's hard to 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 look at one side of the coin without thinking about the other one yeah um maybe it's just don't put off what you think you want to do don't assume you have unlimited time uh, that that's definitely true. those of us afflicted with uh, the procrastination gene it's a little painful to hear it's painful to say folks um yeah i don't know i don't know don't assume you have unlimited time yeah that's a good one with uh, for you or with your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm yeah, not, I'm not exactly sure what you. And yeah. maybe there'd be some things you do. Don't put off uh, family get-togethers or what right. like that. Thinking, oh, we'll do it next year. Yeah, the phone call, the visit, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, heavy maybe stuff. But you know what? It's worth considering once in a while. I think. How about government shutdown talk? They're supposed to vote in like an hour. Are they going to speechify? Do we want to take some of that live? I, I wouldn't mind dipping in. Well, I will what, be mocking it. What everyone's calling the Schumer shutdown. <laughs> oh, Mulvaney, the budget director Mulvaney, who yeah. I really like. He's emerged this weekend as my favorite person in government. Right. Um, but he said yesterday on Face the Nation, he said, people are calling it the Schumer shutdown. And what's his name? The, the Dickerson. Yeah. Dickerson. Who's, who's leaving that job? Eric who, Dickerson. Who's taking? Graham's great. Who's yeah. going to be the new Face the Nation host? Because uh, he quit. Some other fella. He's taking over CBS early morning. <laughs> anyway, so Mulvaney says, what people are calling the, the, the Schumer shutdown, and Dickerson said, I... N- n- I can't let you do that. I mean, not everybody's calling it that. All right, so right. Well, and he seems so amused by both sides, friend. Then Dick Durbin, old tricky Dick Durbin, gets on there and tries to spin it his way, and Dickerson would have none of that either. And it was just, you know, I usually don't. I hate those shows. I actually hate them. I'm just fed up to hear with the political dickering. I know you still enjoy watching the sport, and and God bless you for that. But uh, uh, normally, I can't stand it. I could not turn it off yesterday because it was uh, partly it was Dickerson's last show, and he had a bit of a twinkle in his eye, and I was kind of enjoying. I felt like he took a lighter approach to it. He was calling, I'll cut it out with the Schumer shutdown. Oh, you're calling it the Trump shutdown. That's clever. You know, we had a guy in here just a minute ago calling it the Schumer shutdown. <laughs> and, just, you know, he wasn't like that. But uh, I just found it highly amusing. 
God, we, we've all caught on to that game. Do you, you understand that? Yeah. yeah. Who, who do you well, think you're impressing with these clever turns of a phrase? Or have we? Yeah, I don't know. Plus, I'm telling you, I, you know, one of the networks handled this at the top of the hour, but the fact that the FBI says, yeah, yeah, we had a, a te- technical glitch is the thing, and five months of those text messages that are getting investigated, uh, we don't have them anymore. They got erased. Sorry. Wait a minute. The nation's premier law enforcement agency that regularly subpoenas things, it it demands, uh, it takes legal action as part of an investigation saying you have to preserve this, if you delete this, it's obstruction of justice, blah, blah, blah. That agency lost five months of texts of the people at the time Congress is looking into. Guys, that looks horrible. You have more on that? I mean, yeah, yeah there isn't much more to it, but the most innocent explanation of it is utterly unconscionable. Ugh. Okay. So we think we're going to get speeches out of these people? They're just going to vote and open the government back up in about 45 minutes. Well, they can't have unlimited speeches, can they? Because the clock's kind of a ticking. Hmm. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. Needs a good protest song. Yes. And that's the latest from Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe, his protest song that he released for the Women's March. He's that, anti-savagery. Me too. I kind of picture Meek in the background with a tambourine playing. Mm. She's in, sounds, a, in a short skirt. Sounds like mansplaining the Women's March to me. It's time to listen, Joe. Time to listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time's <laughs> up, Joe. Oh, I'm just jealous that he could afford backup singers. <laughs> there you go. If you have a miniature horse that wants to go on a plane with you, does he have to take off his shoes for screening? Good question. Hilarious. Horseshoes, horse you see. I get it. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk to our old friend Sarah Westwood about 9 o'clock. That's when they're supposed to vote or opening up the government or whatever. I got to admit, I'm kind of rooting for seeing how long this can go, like Kramer when the car's out of gas. I'm just hmm. seeing how far it would go, what would start to happen. If maybe people would start paying attention and wake up and get into the issues and maybe something good would come out of it eventually. Yeah. Hey, Michael, can you make it so I can play audio? I uh, You got the uh, Joe Scarborough uh, cloying folk song. Here's my theme to the shutdown. Oh, yeah. Public enemy boy. I'm sure there's an MF bomb coming along, so maybe I'll pause that, that now. Was pretty good timing on yeah. your part. <laughs> oh, there's Flavor Flav right there. Oh, careful. Things are about to go sideways. Uh, so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. So the FBI, quote unquote, failed to preserve five months worth of text messages exchanged between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the two love and FBI employees who made pro-Clinton anti-Trump comments while working on the Clinton email and Trump-Russian collusion investigation. It sounds like when they lost Lois Lerner's emails for the IRS scandal. It sounds a lot like that. <laughs> or the tens of thousands of Hillary's emails that, well, we uh, we deleted them because they, were, uh, they weren't work-related, according to us. Yeah, yeah, so take our yes. word for it. Yes, That's right. yes. But isn't the FBI the best in the world at like getting stuff back? from computer servers and stuff? Yes, yes they are. 
The Here's the quote from Stephen Boyd, Assistant Attorney General for Legislative Affairs at the Justice Department. He wrote to Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. The, the department wants to bring to your attention that the FBI's technical system for retaining text messages sent and received on FBI mobile devices failed to preserve text messages from Mr. Strzok and Ms. Page. Said the texts are missing for the period between December 14th, 2016 and May 2017. Why? That's right after the election to, you know, this past uh, summer, spring. Uh, Boyd attributed the failure to, quote, misconfiguration issues related to rollouts, provisioning, and software upgrades that conflicted with the FBI's collection capabilities. Wow, I I need to clip that and tuck it in my pocket and use it in case I'm ever in trouble, and I'll blame the failure on misconfiguration issues related to rollouts, provisioning, and software upgrades that conflicted with my collection capabilities. One, the result (laughs) was that the data that should have been automatically collected and retained for long-term storage and retrieval was not collected. Let's see. Trump's an idiot. F. Trump. We remember the texts. In, oh, in, another, in the cryptic exchange, Strzok spoke of an insurance policy that the FBI sought to take out in case Trump defeated Clinton in the election. Um, everybody's curious what they meant by that, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I tell you what, the, I've, I've felt this more than perhaps some people because I have a number of friends who have been or currently are uh, FBI agents. And I admire their work, and I did their Citizens Academy program and the rest of it. You know, they're humans. They're far from uh, flawless, but um, they do great work. And, and, and I think anybody who politicizes the agency is making a mistake, including the president, including James Comey, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this is really, really troubling. This is going to rattle the hell out of a lot of people's perception of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. I mean, everybody already hated the IRS when Lois Lerner on orders from the White House, and I will go to my grave believing this, maybe not from Barack Obama, but certainly from the White House, ordered extra scrutiny or the singling out and persecuting of conservative groups. That's 100% certain that happened. And now if you have the FBI under that sort of suspicion, man, that is unhealthy for the country. And, you know, my point of view, and a lot of you hate me for this, is, I don't think the Trump, the, the president, my Trump, my Trump, my lovely, lovely Trump, ought to be shooting his mouth off about it. I think he ought to be investigating, investigating the hell out of it quietly right now. But this is bad. This is very bad. Losing faith in our institutions. Correct. Um, God, I got some the, the downer. It's not. It's not happening. There's there's little few jokes to be had here, but a couple of stories to follow up from last week. That uh, horrifying scumbag couple that were torturing their children. Yeah. They're now uh, digging around in the yard and under the house to see if there may have been more children oh boy. that were disposed of over the years. Well, and it turns out they are fundamentalist weirdos, um, as yeah, suspected. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's some religious thing. So they think there may have been more kids. They're doing DNA testing to see if any of the kids are kids of some of the older sisters, that sort of thing. Which you've uh, suggested is highly likely. And it turns out Doofus dad kidnapped Doofus mom when she was 16 somehow. Oh, really? That's how the whole relationship started. Oh, so she, you know, it was reported a number of different times that she was just mystified why the authorities were there. They couldn't get her to understand, which suggests to me she's some sort of Stockholm syndrome case, just loopy from years of of God knows what sort of, you know, oppression or psychological you know, control, torture, et cetera. Yeah, the kids, even the older kids, had no idea what a police officer was or yeah. couldn't even understand the concept of it. Right. 
Right. Did you hear that, folks? Did you comprehend that? They couldn't even, they couldn't, they didn't know. There was another one, too. They couldn't get the kids to understand what a cop was. I can't remember. There was another example like that, but it's utterly astounding. These kids have been prisoners locked away from the world. Yeah, it's wild. And and treated horribly, as it turns out. But uh, anyway. Another interesting development over the weekend. Remember when Tom Petty had his heart attack? Uh, Well, it turns out that heart attack may have been brought on by all these drugs that were in his system. His uh, system showed traces of the drugs fentanyl, oxycodone, tamazepam, alprazolam, uh, citroprum, acetylfentanyl, and Jack, another kind of fentanyl. Save us all a couple of minutes and list drugs that weren't in a system. Yeah. Like, what's that? Three different kinds of fentanyl and oxycodone. So, yeah, he was doing the, the opioid drugs. Yeah, doing a the, lot. Heavy, the heavy, heavy stuff. What I uh, read was his last 50 concerts, he had performed on a fractured hip. And he finally broke it, and then he's had to take more drugs, and that's what it brought this on. Yeah, and he had knee problems, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's also famously a partier. You know, where one started and the other one ends, yeah. I don't I don't. Hard know. to say. You know, he's, he's a beautiful musician, a, a great dude, according to everybody, and it's a shame he, he died young. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, who knows? Don't. I, don't, I don't feel a lot of need to judge people. <clears throat> who has various addiction issues. Did you read that article in the New York Times about this family? They followed a family around for like a year, documenting their struggle with addiction. And the one son OD'd four times in an afternoon. Dad brought him around time number one, as I recall. Pounded on his chest, threw water in his face, that sort of thing. The next three times, and I could be a little off on this, but trust me, I'm close enough to being right to be right. The next three times, the paramedics had to show up and hit him with ever-increasing doses of that uh, miracle drug that everybody, all the first responders carry around now. Uh, they had to hit him with like three doses of it for OD number four. What do you do with that person? Unless you're going to strap him to a bed and give them no uh, opportunity to live their lives. What are you going to do with that person? I don't know. It's, it's sad. It was sad, uh, the story, though, in the in the paper because the family's struggling they love the guy he's not a, he's not a bad human being he's never he's not unkind or cruel or vicious he doesn't have kids locked away or anything like that he's just a junkie with, gonna, de- with depression issues gonna be a dead human being yeah 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 <clears throat> that's a tough one for society to figure out we're still flailing away on that one yep I certainly don't know what the answer is. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? We've got mad maneuvering minutes ahead of another shutdown standoff vote. We've got details coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Maybe you can explain to us what the hell's going on. So they're going to vote at nine? Are they going to give speeches? Are they going to give stupid, pointless, finger-pointing speeches? I'm looking forward to the Winston Churchill-esque, Abraham Lincoln-like speeches that Schumer and McConnell are going to lay on us. I mean, some really inspirational rhetoric. Those are the leaders. Did you ever flip over to C-SPAN and see some of the third-string senators giving their speeches over the weekend? Oh, my God. I look at some of those people that I think, how did you get to be a senator? (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Democrats wanted to shut down to step on Trump's one-year anniversary party, or if it was just a happy coincidence for him. But it did obscure a fair amount of news, most of it on the economy, including a Washington Post-ABC poll 
about the economy that is really quite striking on how optimistic people are. We'll hit you with some of those numbers coming up. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, it is day number three of the government shutdown, and lawmakers are trying to find an off-ramp. The Senate's got a vote scheduled for about 20 minutes from now aimed at ending the shutdown. So far, we don't have any advance notice of the format. Are there going to be speeches or just a straight vote? Good. I don't want any spoilers. I want it to unfold in front of me in all its democratic glory. A straight vote. So it'll end like a a number of these have ended in the past where it just kind of goes away and nobody really says anything and they all seem to agree this isn't really benefiting anybody here, so let's just end it. How'd that happen? I don't really know. <laughs> all right. Opening opening the Senate today, the Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said it's time to put this mess behind us. And it's evident that this government shutdown is doing nothing, absolutely nothing, to generate bipartisan progress on the issues the American people care about. Well, I would agree with that. <laughs> Country founded by geniuses, run by cranks. But... Mm. Um, you're not, neither party wants to create bipartisan anything. You want to rev up your side so in the next election you have the most enthusiasm. That's what you're both trying to do. No matter what it costs. That's that's correct. Yeah, Yeah, the Republicans and Democrats have been negotiating behind the scenes on a GOP plan to extend extend government funding until February the 8th. I watched the C-SPAN cam on Friday night, uh and the uh, the busybody, the person that was really trying to get stuff done was Lindsey Graham. Mm. He'd go over to the Democrat side, talk to people for a while, smile and laugh and wave his arms around, then he'd run over to the Republican side and grab them around and smile and laugh and talk. He was going back and forth trying to pull it off, pull off a miracle before midnight. And I don't know if they ignored him or, or what. We have got another war unfolding in the Middle East, pitting the U.S. and Russia against one another. Syria's Kurdish militia says it's repelled the Turkish troops and their allies from villages they seized during the Turkey-backed offensive against the enclave. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights says the U.S.-backed Kurdish militia has waged a furious counteroffensive, repelling Turkish troops and allied Syrian fighters from two villages they briefly captured. This was uh, among the top one or two wars that are sure to result from the current war in Syria that we talked about like yes. three, four years ago. Uh, yeah, the Kurds versus the Turks. Our buddies, the Kurds. And our NATO ally, Turkey. Uh-huh. Russia accusing the U.S. of fomenting separatism in the Syrian Kurdish enclave that has been under attack by the Turks. So now you got the Russian uh, foreign minister speaking out against U.S. involvement, U.S. speaking out against the Russian involvement. Yeah, right. And Tokyo is preparing to get people out of harm's way in case North Korea fires missiles at the Japanese capital. Today they're having an evacuation drill. It's the city's first. People huddled in a... It's a Chinese fire drill. No, it's the Japanese. People huddled in a subway station and in basements of an amusement park. Others ducked and covered their heads at a community center. They're going through the run-throughs. And the Olympics start, what, in a few days? Yep. It's going to be very exciting, like next week or whatever. I mean, right in the the heart of uh, the thorniest foreign policy issue we got in the world... The Olympics are right there. It's pretty crazy. Now, here the backlash has begun in South Korea. Conservatives, hardliners, are yeah. resenting the kissy, kissy face with old Kim Jong un right now, just so they can march in under the same banner with their Olympic teams. They're like, wait a minute, he's still menacing us with like 50,000 rounds of artillery. What are you talking about, women's hockey? Nobody watches women's hockey. And it turns out, my friends, the already bad flu season's getting worse despite health officials 
saying last week that they thought there was a good chance the season was peaking. It is not. New numbers are showing it's gotten more intense. U.S. Centers for Disease Control saying this is a season that's got a lot more steam than we thought. Flu is now prevalent in every state in the Union except Hawaii. So it's just spreading more, but is it a worse flu or is it pretty typical flu? It is worse. It is worse. I talked to a co-worker the other day. She said it's the sickest she's ever been in her entire life. Yikes. Which is not good. That's scary. Yeah. And one last note, Super Bowl 52 is set. New England Patriots, Philadelphia yes, Eagles. Yes, Tom Brady, oh. the Patriots, a team oh. and a player I can, I've heard of. Because <laughs> I don't really watch. <laughs> They'll be meeting February 4th at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Circle your calendars. That's kind of open Minnesota, Dwayne. I kind of like the idea of a, a home game for a Super Bowl. Just Yeah, that was quaint. Plus, yeah. you know, they have lost several of them. It would be nice if they won one. Here's what your, uh, your Eagles got to do, Jack. They got to rush 11 guys first four plays of the game. If this doesn't work, they'll be down 28 nothing. But they got to break the old man in half. You know, you can do the what they did to Gronkowski. You can do the helmet to helmet hit, cripple the other player, right? Take the unsportsmanlike penalty, which oh, is Oh, gee, sorry. Sorry. 15 yard just say uh, uh, my bad. Uh, you could I don't I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often than Are you going to find me 20,000? Oh, well, I guess I deserve it. Okay. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. What right. keeps that from happening more often? Would the would you get a bad morality? Rep? Morality? Morality? I wonder if the other guys in the league would target your knees for the rest yeah. of your life. I don't know. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Let the mighty eagles <laughs> You used to do sports talk show. Why don't they just cripple the other players all the time? Since it's you know okay, I'll take the 15 yard penalty because you still have to play in the league next year. Is that why? Um, yeah. And also, the Joe made a good point where. If you pull most professional athletes, they would much rather have a concussion than an ACL pop. One of those sort of things, right? That, so, yeah, it's mainly just because it's similar in hockey, right? You, you don't go fight because the other guys can fight you, too. Mm. So, uh, I don't mean to be insensitive, but uh, how good did Rob Gronkowski's brain work before the concussion? <laughs> yeah, what was the concussion test for Rob Gronkowski? <laughs> I mean, if, if a guy like, you know, Tom Brady gets concussed, that's a problem because his brain works. But Gronk? What's the difference? Still just grunting and saying, fire, Arr, don't eat Tide Pods. No, no, no. Um, we're liking the economy, according to an ABC Washington Post poll one year into the Trump administration. Hit you with some of those numbers coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. This is Armstrong and Getty. The voice of the West. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Street lights along the highway, throwing shadows in the dark. And the memories keep All I want to know is since the government shut down, do we still have to pay taxes for the whole year? <laughs> do we get prorated or something like that? When my cable shut down, Comcast gave me free HBO for a month. I feel like the government owes us like an eagle or an apple pie or something. Amusing. I'd like an eagle. I'd like my own bald eagle. Would you let it soar? Huh? I'd just have it in the corner of my uh, 
like living room, mm. American flag behind it. I'd be nice. fine with a haired eagle. That's fine. It doesn't have to be one of the fancy bald ones. Mm. You could shave its head. <laughs> yes. Um, breaking news, Jack. A Utah State student has been hospitalized after eating a Tide Pod. All right. I don't know. That's, that's an adult. Well, back to our discussion of adolescence. How old is the person? Well, they're a college student. They're 17 at the youngest. See, I'm probably trying, older. I'm trying to picture if I find out my 19 year old just ate a Tide Pod. I'd mostly be worried about their mental health or how stupid they are. Yeah. Because some I, people are just really stupid. Uh, once I found out that they were going to be okay, I, I would yell at her a lot. Well, I don't know if yelling would help, but it would help me. <laughs> Look, I need to figure out if you're mentally ill or just too stupid to be right. on your own. So let's try to figure this out. How do you figure it dissolves all the, all the food on those plates? Yeah, effing moron. I'm sorry, honey. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Eating detergent. Because you saw a YouTube video saying it'd be kind of funny. Yeah. All right. Um, so what do you come on in, China? We are. We are. You're at, gonna find us doubled over, clutching our guts, because we're eating detergents. China. That's right. We are in an interesting spot in American history. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> um, there's no precedent for this, really. People's view of the economy is the highest it's been in 20 years. 20 years. Wow. That goes way back to the boom. When everybody's house was worth a lot, and we all thought we were rich, even though it was fake. Economy is the only number that matters, Jack, for politics, approval rating. 58% of the people are, uh, are happy with the economy, thinks it's, think it's you know strong and great and everything like that. Highest number in almost 20 years, according to the Washington Post ABC. Yet the president's number, which is usually tied pretty closely to the economy number, Indeed. is not. It's the lowest any president's ever had at the one-year mark. What do you do with that information? What does that mean? It means you got Donald Trump in the White House. The economy's roaring, as I hoped it would be. He's pro-business, pro-deregulation, et cetera, et cetera. But he's a wildly unlikable a-hole. Do people go to... According to many, many people. And I'm not going to jump into the election, but when it comes voting time, really, do will people look at it as... You could look at it two ways. You could look at it half cup full... Half cup empty. Do people say the economy is is policies and it'll keep on being good and everything's fine, uh, but I don't want Trump? Or are people going to say, I don't like Trump, but he's keeping the economy humming, so I'm voting for him again? Yeah, remember, I, I don't know which. Remember, it's a bilateral choice, and, and Trump and his peeps, I hope, would make the case that, you know, uh, an O'Halloran or an Elizabeth Warren or whoever ends up running... They're going to change everything back to the Obama years when we had 1% growth. Why would you do that? Why would you do that to yourself, to your company, to your raises, to your financial future? God, don't do that. And, you know, we'll see if America buys that argument or not. On Trump's three major policies of his first year, that would be the federal crackdown on undocumented immigrants, a reduction in federal regulations on businesses, and an effort to reduce the size of the federal workforce, Split evenly. Four in ten support, four in ten oppose. And then 20% of, oh no, bird, I'm going to eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> I'm so full of Tide Pods, <laughs> I can't think about politics. Whoa. But so on his big policies, it's evenly split. 40% for, 40% again. Wow. 
Wow. Which is slightly higher than his approval rating. So as the Washington Post points out, that means that some Americans, particularly Democrats, who disapprove of the president, support those three policies. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? He is in, in some ways the anti-Obama. Obama's policies polled terribly right, when you broke you them know, down. But he's an immensely likable guy. That is a very uh, good observation. Thank you. I'm here all week. Um, um, yeah, it, his policies were in the 30s, but he personally was at like 58. Because he, how do you not like him? He yeah. seems like a nice guy. Old Barry don't was, like his policies, but he seems like a great guy. He's a little smug and professorial for my tastes at times, but he's a really likable and funny guy. I'd hang out with him today. I'd love to. He'd be a good neighbor. He'd be a charming uh, conversationalist, the rest of it. And then you got Trump. who's He's not going to say your wife's not hot enough or you're not rich enough. He'd never say that to you. Well, no, no, she is. And I am. Um, But (laughs) then you got Trump. I mean, I'm the perfect test case. Policy wise, right down the line. I like this stuff. Now, some of the handling of it is, I mean, why? Why would you say what you just said? Why did you do that? You've made it so much harder to do the right thing now. But personally, I find the guy really hard to take. Of course, a lot could happen with the economy or a lot of other things in the next three years. Yeah, like things falling out of the sky that go kaboom, for instance. God help us. Um, Or Mueller's report, which they're thinking late summer is the best guess. That's a long time from now. That sounds like a guess to me. Do you think? It's all a guess. Right. Okay. Uh, But where was I? I Trump... uh, like I said, I was gonna make it. I was gonna bring it all together. I was gonna bring everybody together because that's my thing. Um, Joe is gonna bring everyone together. Yeah, yeah that's was, his thing. Was, I was gonna reach across the aisle, but I can't remember what I was gonna say. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it! Trump is unlikable. You, you, you like the policies. You have trouble with him. You're the perfect he's test a, case. Um, he, uh, he, why would you say stuff that? Uh, oh, that's well, right. Anyway, I don't know. I, don't I think I was probably just gonna repeat myself. <laughs> Hey, Michael, bring me a Tide Pod. Mm. I'm hungry. If you don't have any Tide Pods in there, bring me a bottle of Windex. Because <laughs> I just, you know, I like eating and drinking clean and flush. Those little pods we put in our dishwasher, those look pretty good. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. Those look delicious. The multicolored ones. Oh, they're, they're colorful, so you want to eat them. Mm. Says a moron. <laughs> <laughs> moron an, says what? It's an <laughs> it's an effing detergent. Yeah, just... God dang it. Can we have our kids do a little reading now and again, and not just play the video games? Speaking of reading, we started Harry Potter. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. Ago. We're way behind on that. All his friends have read it. What? Oh, all his ah, friends sorry. already know the whole story and talk about the characters all the time. I've never read a word of Harry Potter mm. before Friday night. Read them all, most of them multiple times. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. You know, this is what's interesting, and I don't like, uh, I don't read much nonfiction. I mean, fiction. I don't read much fiction. I don't know which is which, because I don't read much. But, right. Um, I didn't expect, I expect to slog my way through. Gripped from page one. I'm telling you. So, which is really interesting. You know, the whole divorced welfare mom writes 700-page books for kids seems like a... Who's never written anything before. Right. Sounds like a bad plan. Well... But it worked out pretty well. And yeah, I'm into it. I look forward to reading it, which is shocking. If your neighbor told you that was her plan, you'd pity her. Oh, yeah. You'd think, okay, you're, oh, you're divorced. Sad you're, case. you're on government money. Sad Got a couple case. of kids. You're going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and write your first book. Okay, well, good luck with Oh, a 700-page book for kids. Wow. That seems like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, 
Yeah. About the best-selling book besides the Bible. I was the Bible. I was going to say, welcome to the, the biggest Bible. publishing phenomenon in history. Right, and thank you for your approval. No, yeah. they are there. It's hard to believe how fun they are to read. Yeah, it's not easy to grip somebody like within pages of a sto- with a story. That that's a special special talent. Yep. I mean, everybody's trying to do that. Right. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, my son's super into it. He'd let me read all night long. It was a dark and stormy night. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you're going to start your book? Yep. (laughs) Typing out the sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk to, for those of you who get the award-winning fourth hour, um, we are going to talk to Sarah Westwood about what's happening now, because they're about to vote in the Senate to open the government again. If I was going to guess, I'm going to guess they just... All of a sudden, vote to open it up, and there's, like, no real explanation as to what got solved or anything like that, and we just move on with our day. Yeah, they all shuffle around shamefaced, then come to the podium and make big, proud speeches about how they re- reached out and yeah. what a great moment this is and the rest of it, please. <laughs> right. and, and so what did we do for the last two days? Nothing. And my view of humanity will dim just a bit more. Right. So, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that coming up. If there are great speeches, we'll bring them to you probably mock them while they're occurring because that's kind of what we do plus does anybody remember prompt one to build the dams where the dams at where my dams at you're listening to the armstrong and getty show